there may not be in all of sports a more unhinged group than in-arena DJs at basketball games. If you haven't been, I've been watching more and more of the NBA since it's got started. Uh, we're seven games in now, maybe a little bit more. We had our first in-game or uh, in-season tournament games over the weekend, which was pretty cool. The courts are god awful. They're some of the worst things I've ever seen in my entire life. But it's pretty cool to see uh, kind of a. I, I don't know if I'd go as far as calling it a playoff atmosphere yet. Uh, maybe once we get closer to like more important group stage games, uh, like elimination type group stage games, we'll get more of that feeling. Um, but the, I mean, this, from the games that I see, the stadiums were packed. Uh, there was still some good energy in the crowd and such. It didn't feel necessarily like a regular season game as most, uh, you know, as I think a lot of people would have expected to. Uh, and I think with the courts, it kind of made it special in its own right, even though they look terrible. I mean, they're just disgusting. They're, they're some of the ugliest things I've ever seen in my life. There may not be a single good court that came out of the in, in season tournament court redesign or whatever. Um, but one thing that I noticed more than anything other than the courts, more than the courts, more than the uniforms that they were wearing. If you have league pass NBA league pass, um, you can choose a particular team that you want to follow with NBA League Pass or, you know, there's plenty of teams to follow. With you can buy the whole thing similar to Sunday Ticket. Um, but with League Pass, they don't show um, like local commercials for those teams, if that makes sense, local ad breaks. Um, and what they do is they kind of show you the uh, like in arena cameras from around like kind of the, the stuff they would show on the Jumbotron that would go in between timeouts. Um, and with that, they have the audio in there as well. and some of the stuff that is being played by the unarena, the in arena DJs. I, I honestly, I feel bad for them because that's a tough job. Like that is not an easy job. They're not there for the DJ by any means. Obviously, they're there to watch basketball. So you're kind of there to be like a guy on the outside, you know, just to provide noise. But some of the stuff, it's just unhinged, like unhinged combinations of music. One of my least favorite types of music are like the club remixes of very popular songs that mend into different songs. If you know what I'm talking about? Um, I can't really describe it better than that, to be honest with you, but there, you know, it starts with a super popular, uh, super popular song or something. And then it's, I would even say it merges flawlessly. It's, merges just into a different song and then the other song starts playing and that's kind of what in arena DJs do and I hate it so much it's so bad it sounds bad like uh, the tones are just weird because some of the tones of some songs are way different than the tones of the other songs they're merging them into um and it just can like it creates a very awkward uh listening experience to the people that are in there and they'll play them like most times out of like during a commercial break or during a timeout break where there's no action on the actual court um so you, that's like the only entertainment you're going to get is the stuff that's being played over the PA system from the DJ. Um, and it's just some it's and I one I'm curious if it's just like because they can't get the rights to the actual music um, of specific musicians. So like the the arena can't play the a specific Rolling Stone song all the way through. So they have to remix it into and turn it into you know they play sympathy for the devil for like 15 seconds and then it mixes into uh something from the black eyed peas or something like that and that's like kind of the in arena entertainment that you get it's so weird it is completely unhinged and it is next time if you're watching a basketball game if you're watching the nba focus on during timeouts, if you have uh, NBA league pass this is way easier to do if you have nba league pass but even during the game sometimes some arenas like have um, their chants or what have you, where they play them over real beats of music and such, and then they'll mix it um, to match whatever the chant is that they're doing. That's pretty common as well. But if you, it works way better if you have League Pass. If you have League Pass, they'll go to timeout, commercial break. You'll maybe get one ad that's, I think, a national ad or something like that, and then they'll cut back to the in-arena. Uh, it basically looks like a security camera, but it's the in-arena camera that they're using, um, and then you just have to basically wait until the break is uh, the break is over and the game comes back on. But you can hear all the PA stuff um, and just listen to some of the music selection that is made. There are some of the mixes that are made. It is truly it's a traumatizing moment. It's very traumatizing because you're like, wow, I know this song very well. And then it mixes into something you've never heard of or a song that you don't like. And you're like, wow, that kind of ruins the song for me. Um, and it happens. It happens all the time. It's every commercial break. It's every commercial break. It's every timeout break. They have to find some way to entertain the audience during a timeout break because you can't have their eyes off of, you know, whatever is going on um, 
on the actual court because that is, you know, that's sacrilegious if you're going to an arena to watch a basketball game. Um, the other thing is like those and basketball's really bad about this. Um, you don't get it as much from what I understand from football where those, you know, because teams call timeout, there's media timeouts in that as well. Um, but honestly, a lot more in basketball, obviously, than there is in football. Um, but they don't have it. I, it. Seemingly, I don't think they have that in between type stuff. And I could just be misrepresenting um, that in in between timeout type stuff to keep your eyes attentive towards either the jumbotron or the court itself. Um, but basco, basketball, for whatever reason, feels like they need to pull out every stop possible like everything you could possibly imagine imagine in order to keep your you know eyes off of your phone or uh, away from the idea of walking out of the main co- uh, court level to the concourse area they're like hey guess what we're going to do we're going to have a t-shirt shooter come out and shoot t-shirts into the we're going to have 15 different sets of dancers come out during timeout breaks and dance in front of you because that's, you know, because we got to keep your eyes on the court. Hey, we're going to have the, the the three hat thing on the Jumbotron. Make your pick. Like, it's really weird with basketball. And it's different for basketball than it is, I think, in any other sport. Because basketball, for some reason, I don't know why they, they seem like they have to do this. Um, but they seem, they, they, it feels like they want you to have your eyes on the court at all times. Like, do not look anywhere else. Do not walk out of the, the main court area. Do not go into the concourse level. You're here. Once you're here, you're here. You do not move. You've got to go to the bathroom. You hold it because guess what? The seventh selection of dancers of, of, of whatever of team dancers are on the, t- are on the court and you're going to watch them. All right. You're going to stop and you're going to watch them. If you had to take a bathroom break, guess what? You should have done it before the game started because they even have, they have halftime entertainment as well. And you know, every, every sport has halftime entertainment, but it really can. It kind of, I mean, halftime entertainment really kind of began with basketball and they do it for every single game. You know, like you think, Halftime entertainment, everybody kind of thinks of the Super Bowl at, you know, that's the most famous version of halftime entertainment, obviously. Um, and rightfully so. Those are like your biggest performers and such that you're going to get. And I don't know if football still does. I don't know if football does halftime performance. Like every team has a halftime uh, performance of some kind during, I mean, you know, they would, they don't bring out the stage and everything like that, but I don't know if football uh, professional football teams have like a performance that they have at every halftime or something like that. I'm not sure about that, but I do know basketball does it because every single time there's a halftime, they bring out some sort of act. I don't know what it is. There's a, there's, you know, magic tricks. We've, we've seen uh, professional music artists come out and perform like a 15 minute set of some kind. Um, dancers is another one. And some of them are pretty cool. Some of them, it's just like, okay, they're, they're trying to kill time here. I see what's going on. Um, and it's really weird. It's just like a, and it all, I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting to see the difference between, like how important it is for basketball to have your your attention the entire time you're in the arena versus some others where it's like baseball they're like you know walk around the stadium just you know stay in the stadium but do whatever you want just walk around the stadium we have your ticket at this point just walk around we don't really care i mean in between innings we'll try to keep you entertained it won't be every inning in between every inning but in between most innings we'll try to keep you entertained but during the game they're like you know I'd walk on out. We don't care, especially between like the first, I actually, especially for between like the second and the sixth inning, they're just like, yeah, you know, during the game, just walk around a little bit. If you feel like it, it's whatever. It's a bigger, it's a big stadium. Just walk around. Hey, take the sights in. We've got all these different areas. You can go and check out in the actual stadium. We've got your ticket. We don't care what you do inside the stadium. Just go and do whatever you want. And basketball is the complete opposite. It's like, sit down, shut up. We're going to entertain you. Hey, DJ, hit that uh, mix of, uh, I don't know, TI, whatever you like, and um, Bohemian Bohemian Rhapsody or something. I don't know. (laughs) And that's what they do. That's what they do for the full full game. It's really weird. Um, And just some of the mixes that you'll hear from these in-arena DJs are just... They're insane. They're in, they're absolutely insane. Next time you're watching a basketball game or at a basketball game, just pay attention to the in-arena DJ and what they're playing and just, like... Try not to become like not not angry because, you know, it's not that serious, but like traumatized. You're like, whoa, okay, that's weird. I actually like this song. It's weird that it cut into a song by Bad Bunny out of nowhere. That's strange Um, because it happens frequently. It happens literally every time outbreak, every media break, whatever it is, you will it will start to pop up. You'll you'll hear it and you'll be like, oh, here we go. This is they can't use this whole song. So they're going to have to mix it into something because they're going to have to they're going to have to change it if they don't want to get sued. And it happens every uh it's it's every game it's it's awesome but it's also like 
this is kind of ridiculous at this point. We don't need the in arena DJs, you know, and like, you know, what happened to defense, you know, then that's all you really got, you know? Anyways, well, hey, welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Weekend Sports Round Podcast. I am your host, James Timberlake. I hope you like that little in arena, in arena DJ rant I just went on and in arena entertainment rant in general. Um, I hope you uh, are tuning in on any of the pop, the possible podcasting platforms you can listen to this to. Um, you can listen to it on sharedmedia.com as well. That's where I primarily post it. If you're looking for a website location, then that's where it is. If not... Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Google Podcasts is going away. I don't remember what they're merging into, but they're not going to, they're no longer going to be a thing if I remember reading correctly. Um, so keep an eye out for that, Google Podcast listeners. Um, but, you know, wherever you want to get your podcast, you can listen to the show uh, there. So thank you very much for tuning in. Let's talk some college football. We're going to start with college football. Hello, my friends and fellow confidants. It is time now to hear a quick word from one of our sponsors, Jack and Kathleen Wood at 307 Real Estate. Now, look, I may have a bit of a hot take here, to be honest with you. I think there is no better way to watch a game of football, especially professional football, maybe even college football, than the comfort of your own home with your big TV, your own personal snacks. You know, you don't have to go to the concession stand to get a $9 hot dog paired with a $7.5 water. No. You can have your own water. You can make your own hot dogs at home and you can just sit there on your couch and watch football. You can't do any of that, though, without a home to do it in. And Jack and Kathleen Wood are the people to do it with at 307 Real Estate. They can help you at both buy and sell property that you are looking to list or purchase in the Sheridan area and beyond. They have been part of this community since 2004 when they first moved here. And ever since, they have been working to better the community and make it a more beautiful place to live. They are both ambassadors with the Chamber of Commerce, so they know this community like the back of their hand. So they are the people that you're going to want to talk to for all of your real estate needs, whether it be buying or selling. You've all heard the slogan, call Jack, get ready to pack. And you can call Jack at 307-763-1249 or Kathleen at 307-461-7203. That's Jack and Kathleen Wood at 307 Real Estate. Big thank you to them for sponsoring the show. Okay, I'm going to make a, we're going to talk some college football. Quick spoiler, my good game of the week was USC versus, U, or Washington versus USC, I guess, because Washington was on the road. Um, that's my actual good game of the week. We'll get into the boo-boo garbage, no good game of the week. You guys already know what it is. I, I don't even know why I need to tease it out at this point. I, I mean, you guys know what it is. I'm not going to say it because I will tease it out for some new listeners that don't know. Um, I'll give you a hint. They have been consistently ruining this segment for weeks in a row now at this point, just week after week after week, they ruin the segment. Um, and for my longtime listeners, you know who I'm talking about for the new listeners. Yeah. Stay tuned. Uh, the actual good game of the week, though, Washington versus UFC. That was a, you, that was a very fun game to watch. No defense to be found whatsoever. Obviously that's kind of the, especially the USC specialty. They did fire Alex Grinch, which is the right move after, um, I guess he's been there two years now. Same time as Lincoln Riley, the one in a one in seven eighths game or time he's been there one year and seven eighths or whatever um, time he's been there. He hasn't really provided much results, I guess, very many results, uh, positive results, positive change over those time. Um, and that's, I mean, honestly, if you're a USC fan, you're thrilled about that, obviously, because you're really a defense away from being an actual contender, uh, a national, an actual national championship contender. Cause that offense can compete with anybody. It's just the fact that, Basically, since you guys got Alex Grinch and Lincoln Riley, you guys have had to beat, uh, they've had to beat uh, teams basically 50 to 49. And most often that just does not work in college football or football in general. Um, so Alex Grinch is gone, which is good move by them. I felt really bad for Caleb Williams this weekend. And I know everybody, I don't know why, I don't know why this seems to happen, but people like to hate on Caleb Williams. I don't understand really. I always thought he seemed like a very cool dude. He never had, he, he hasn't had any sort of, um, you know, bad, uh, bad stuff come over him or anything like that, you know, in terms of the, you know, off the football, off the field type stuff, come up, um, come up and affect him or anything like that. And he was very emotional in that game after the loss to Washington, because it's been, uh, I'll be honest with you, a tough, a tough few years. He won the Heisman, obviously, but I mean, he's literally doing everything possible to try to win those football games. Like he's literally, he's trying to put everything on his back. And I respect that out of him. I think he's a very good player. Um, and I felt bad for him because that was a tough shot of um, him after the game where he was crying. His, he went up to go see his mother. 
Um, and they kind of covered him with like a, I don't know, it was like a sign or something like that. And he started, like, he was clearly very upset. He was sobbing, essentially. Um, and that was that was tough to see because that's, you know, I, I, it's clear that he cares about USC, cares about how this team does. And in all of those losses, he seems very emotional about how um, the, the effect of the loss has over him. So I felt bad for Caleb Williams. Um, they should be better now, though. If they get that higher correct, then they should be well off. They should be okay. Um, we'll see if he comes back another year. I'll be very interested to see if he, like, depending on where Lincoln Riley goes with the defensive coordinator hire, um, he's also probably going to make more money in college anyways, just staying in college and playing at USC an extra year or an extra two years uh, than he will going to the NFL draft because he's probably making a ton of money in NIL. I mean, he's got the Wendy's deal that we've seen. Um, he's got the Heisman house stuff that we've seen as well, uh, which is Nissan, if I remember correctly. And then I think there's, I think he has, Oh, Dr. Pepper he has a Dr. Pepper partnership as well. Um, so he's probably making a ton of money off of NIL deals. And those are just the big deals. Who knows, you know, the local deals that he has going on in Southern California. Um, so I wouldn't be stunned to see him come back, uh, especially considering I think the, the team he would be drafted by at this point would be if he were to go number one, if he, if it was number two, he'd be going to Chicago. If it was one, I think it's Arizona right now is the, the worst team in the league in terms of record that would have the number one overall draft pick. If I remember correctly, it's Arizona. I believe it is Arizona. And with a lot of the in-house stuff that's happening in Arizona right now, with a lot of the reports that have come out, uh, with a lot of the rumors that are swirling about their bad in their bad management in the actual front office and such, I wouldn't be stunned if they if Arizona ended up keeping the the top pick in the draft. That I wouldn't be I wouldn't I wouldn't be blown away to see him be like you know what maybe not not for me I'll pass on this one. Um, but I mean who knows he, I mean he's gonna make I would imagine he makes more money in college anyways so that's not gonna be the driving factor he probably just wants to find a good organization with a decent front office. That's, you know, he is going to thrive under, I would imagine. Um, but you know, that's further down the line. Obviously it's still a lot of football left to be played. Um, and you know, depending on how draft day just shakes out in general, it could be a completely different team. We could be looking at, I mean, we could be looking at New England of all places being the one or the, the team with the number, the first overall pick. Cause they're one went away from, uh, or uh, Arizona's one went away as well as Carolina is one went away from matching New England's win-loss record right now. So that changes everything. Then everybody's like, okay, well, Caleb Williams and Bill Belichick would be, that could be pretty nasty. Um, anyways, I did want to say, I did want to point out, there are some things that I think Caleb Williams does. He does exceptionally well, but there, I, I, th- I think there is some area of the field that I think, um, not not really makes me nervous by any means, um, but is maybe something to improve on. And granted, he probably knows all of this. It's, I'm kind of just putting it out for the listeners. Um, I think he operates unbelievably well out of structure. Like he is one of the best I've ever seen at maneuvering out of pressure and finding open areas of the field to then look down. And he always he's always looking at field, but then to be able to look down field and find open like he's he's got a Patrick Mahomes esque version of his ability to f- move out of structure and out of pocket um, and find open receivers downfield. Uh, he's very difficult to bring down and sack because of how well he maneuvers around his offensive lineman. Now I do think there is something to be said about him maybe leaning on that a little too much. Like sometimes I think he escapes his structure when he doesn't need to. Uh, I think sometimes when his pocket is clean, he maybe feels pressure before he needs to escape and then he escapes, you know, before the pressure actually comes. And that can lead to some problems where he either, you know, just runs into a sack or, you know, messes up a read or something like that. I think that's a, a, a something that can be looked at as maybe an, a, a con, but it's, in my opinion, it's a very small con. Like it's not, it's something that he can kind of work into. Like you'd rather have somebody that, like him, that works very well out of structure than somebody that only works in structure. Like they can't work out of structure whatsoever. Um, and he's, you know, one of the best guys at working out of structure. Probably, I mean, in the game for sure, but one of the best I've ever seen in co- at the college level doing that. Um, so I do think that that's maybe the, the only one of the only cons you can maybe swing his his way is he kind of seeks the out of structure situations, maybe a little bit too too frequently he tries to uh, evade pressure when there's not really pressure there sometimes. Um, but for them, I mean, the guy's unbelievable at what he does. He's an unbelievable quarterback first overall, if not second overall pick, because Drake may is also very good as well. Uh, and if he doesn't go this year, the next year, almost certainly a first overall pick. So um, yeah, Caleb Williams, that team, I, I feel bad for Caleb Williams and I, I don't feel bad for USC fans. Okay. As an Oklahoma fan, you guys stole, you guys stole our thunder. So 
Thanks for that, you losers. Um, but I feel bad for Caleb Williams because he's, you know, he's amazing. And he just has not had anything on the defense, on the defensive side of the ball, had anything to work with um, since he's been at USC or, I mean, even at Oklahoma when he was there for a short amount of time as well. So uh, anyways, poo-poo garbage, no good game of the week. Let's talk some poo-poo. Let's talk some poo-poo. Uh, I mean, I don't know why I'm hyping it up. You guys know what it is. It was Iowa at Northwestern. That was my prediction. It was correct. It was a garbage game. It was terrible. Um, it was 0-0 at halftime. Here is your, hey, here's your, here's your first half. This is your first half play-by-play. This is how each drive ended in the first half. Punt, punt, missed field goal, punt, interception, punt, 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 end of half. That's your first half. That was the entire first half. And then to start the second half, you had a punt and then a touchdown. Then Iowa went down and scored. It was miraculous. It was beautiful. This is all at Wrigley Field, by the way. They should never have. They played this game at Wrigley Field. Wrigley should not allow them to ever step foot in the friendly confines ever again. Like, they should never, ever, ever be allowed. Like, if you're going to have a game at Wrigley Field, it's one of the greatest stadiums in the entire country like period with the history that it has how long it's been standing in chicago it's one of the most beautiful pieces of arena that we have stadium whatever arena stadium that we have on planet earth and especially in Amer- in the united states of america and to put that garbage in that stadium is disgusting like it, they should be ashamed of themselves 10 to 7 and uh, another one here's your stat of the day here's your here's your friendly stat of the day the highest scoring games at wrigley field this year were, there were six Cubs games that had higher final scores, total combined final scores, than the Iowa Northwestern game. The Cubs had a 20 to 9 game. Cubs had a 14 to 9 game. Cubs had a 16 to 6 game. The Cubs had a 17 to 3 game. Pirates, the Pirates beat the Cubs 13 to 7. And then the Cubs had an 11 to 8 game. All those were higher scoring games. Is baseball. In baseball, they had a higher scoring game than Iowa Northwestern. That it, it, they should never be allowed in that stadium ever again. Ever, to play a football game in the friendly confines and not put up points until the third quarter. Disgusting. Just absolutely disgusting. And it's Iowa football. Like, what do we expect? And Northwestern. I mean, Northwestern as well. Northwestern football, this is what they do. And we've got an even worse one next week. Like, it's, it gets even worse. It's Iowa versus Rutgers. I think the line right now is at 28 and a half. You can get this. I'm just, I'm, I'm putting my head down because I'm disappointed. You can get this line a total of 28 and a half, I believe, in some places, which is just unbelievable. 28 and a half that's 14 to 14 is 28 so 15 to 14 would be the over but 14 to 14 is 28 disgusting absolutely disgusting you know it's even more disgusting they're seven and two iowa Iowa's seven and two like they're gonna they're gonna win the whatever are they in the east i don't remember they're in the east i believe um they're gonna win the east and they're gonna go to the big 10 championship and i mean part of me wants to see them win the big 10 because that would be really funny like that would be that would be up there with one of the funniest. They're in the West, by the way, not the East. That would be one of the funniest upsets of all time. One of the funniest upsets of all time because they've scored. Let's imagine that Michigan goes on and gets into the Big Ten Championship. Um, either one, Ohio State or Michigan. Uh, and then uh, Iowa, who scored 166 total points and allowed 123, goes in and beats Michigan, who scored 366 and allowed 60. <laughs> That one just, and then Iowa for some reason, and the, the, honestly, that would be best case scenario for just if you are a person that roots for chaos during the playoff era of football. Um, if Iowa goes into the Big Ten championship game, because they basically they've won the West at this point. I I, I think I'm going to call it. I think, ladies and gentlemen, I think I'm going to call it. They're behind, um, or they're in front of Minnesota. Minnesota beat them if I remember correctly. Um, but they're four and two. I believe in them a little bit more than I believe in. Uh, in Minnesota, but I mean, they're both not that dissimilar. The West in the Big Ten is such a disgrace. Like that, uh, a basketball division, if I've ever seen it. Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Nebraska, Illinois, Northwestern, Purdue, all pretty decent outside of like Minnesota, maybe, and Nebraska, I would say, for the most part, pretty good basketball schools. Northwestern, too, is probably not the best uh, basketball school in the world. But, I mean, for the most part, that's a basketball division, like through and through a basketball division. Um, anyways, yeah, there's seven and two, just just you know, throwing up, throwing up all over the place and still finding a way to win. Like, seven, it's disgusting. I, I can't believe, I don't know what this says about college football, but it's nothing good. Like, seven, to be seven and two and have only scored 166 total points, they have the lowest point total, um, points four, in, in the entire Big Ten outside of Michigan State. It's the only team that has a less 
uh, less points than them scored in the entire Big Ten. And Michigan State's three and six. <laughs> That's uh, man, I hate this team. I hate them so much. They're ruining this segment, by the way. Like this segment's going to die because Iowa just is continues to be disgusting. Like I will say that like. There's something to be said about how good their defense is. Like they're one of the best defensive teams in the country. Granted, they haven't played the greatest competition in the Big Ten, like I said. But the fact that they can just do this week in, week out, like they know the defense knows the offense is going to show up and they're going to have to win somehow. Um, either it be special, whether it be special teams or get a pick six of come some kind or something like that, and that's how they're going to win the football game. It's pretty impressive. Like the fact that the defense just hasn't given up entirely on the offense because they know they're going to be out there most of the game, anyways. Um, is incredible. The fact is like it's seven and two. That it's kind of a remarkable feat. And whoever if they get somebody good at offensive coordinator for Iowa because Brian Ferentz isn't going to be there anymore. Um, which they announced by the way, uh, it's celebration to be had in Iowa. I believe they announced that last week that Brian Ferentz is not going to be the offensive co- coordinator by the end of this year. Um, and if they get a good like a decent offensive coordinator at Iowa, I mean, look out, ladies and gentlemen, they could be. They could actually be like a pretty formidable force if they had any sort of an offense behind them. But, you know, that would take away from the fun. Like if we're just talking about Iowa, like we talk about, you know, Ohio State or Penn State or Michigan or whatever. And then it's not as fun, you know, and it just doesn't make it as interesting. Um, all right, let's move on. Actual good game of the week. I said that already. USC versus um, North or USC versus North or no, uh, that's going to happen this year, by the way. Washington versus USC, my actual good game of the week. And with both of those teams going into the Big Ten, they're going to have to play Iowa versus Northwestern at some point during that time. And just the juxtaposition between two future Big Ten teams, Washington and USC going 52-42, to and then having Iowa-Northwestern 0-0 at halftime is, is just perfect. It's perfect. Hey, welcome to Big, welcome to the Big Ten, Washington-USC. This is, this is the product we put out there. <laughs> so... I'm sure Big Ten, the Big Ten commissioners and everybody are like pumping their fists when they see Washington versus USC because they're like, thank God we get like offense. You know, we get some semblance of offense coming into our coming into our uh, coming into our conference. Thank God for that. Um, okay, I do want to talk about the Michigan and Connor Stallion situations. Stallions, his, that's his real name, by the way. His name is actually Connor Stallions. I thought it was fake as well. It's a real name. Um, that's crazy. Like, it's crazy what's going on in Michigan. Sign stealing, stealing scandal um, out the wazoo. He's stealing signs electronically, going to different games and stealing signs from different teams while the team the team he's watching is playing a different team. All kind of messed up stuff in terms of, I don't know, the, the, the unwritten rules, if you want to call it that, of college football. This one actually might be a written rule. I don't actually know off the top of my head, but I would imagine it is. Um but to be doing that, and then we have the picture come out of him on the Central Michigan sideline, like he's dressed up like Sherlock Holmes, like not literally like Sherlock Holmes, but like if Sherlock Holmes wanted to go to a CMU game and he had to dress up as somebody that worked on the CMU sideline, Connor Stallions nailed it. He's just wearing a CMU shirt. He's got the hat on. Granted, he was wearing sunglasses at night, and some people are pointing out that there's a light that appears on the sunglasses. Could be Photoshop. Could be, a I don't know. Could be something from the light. I don't actually know. Um... But if that happens to be true, he's like recording stuff with his sunglasses or whatever. Like they're the Snapchat glasses that were a thing for a little bit. Um, that's pretty incredible. Like that's I, I, at that point, like you should get the book thrown at you in terms of cheating. Like you should be in trouble for that, obviously. But at that point, I kind of tip your cat tip my cap. Like that's that's you're, you're going to an extended length to do that. And you know what? To that, I appreciate it. You're not doing it halfway. That's that's there's something to be said about that. Granted, I do think Michigan's going to get in very big trouble for this. I don't know how. Like what to, I don't I don't think they know the disciplinary action that's going to be taken because there's really no precedent for what Michigan has or Connor Stallions has been doing both Michigan and Connor Stallions. Um, I have no idea what they're going to want. The Big Ten uh, or the NCAA is going to want from either uh, from Michigan or if there's going to be some sort of death penalty sentence. I doubt that for those that don't know, not like literally people aren't being literally sent to death. Like that's not I, I realize now that's weird phrasing for people that don't necessarily know what that is people aren't actually getting sent to death. Um, it's more like call it like program death penalty. Like you are not allowed on national television for two years or you're not, uh, you get, you know, uh, half as many scholarships as you normally do. Like that sort of thing. Um, and I don't know if it's going to go that far. I'm curious to see. Cause the last time they did a death penalty like that was SMU and it basically destroyed SMU. Like SMU basically still hasn't recovered as a football program. They haven't, I mean, they're, they've gotten better over the past few years, but 
basically from the was it mid nineties all the way up till twenty tens. They ne- they never recovered from the death penalty that handed him down. So, which I guess the name implies. Um, but I do I am curious to see because Michigan with the power I would imagine that they do have with some of the names that they have backing them and such. I wonder what happened. Like, could, to me, this could be a breaking point for all of college football in general. Um, this could be the straw that breaks the camel's back, if you will, um, where Michigan gets in trouble. And with Michigan bringing in the amount of money that they have, um, and if the, the the sentence or whatever it is is issued down by the NCAA, they'd just be like, okay, then we're not part of the NCAA anymore. And then we see more college football programs follow, and then we have officially hit, you know, uh, the semi-pro type of football that we kind of already assume that it is. Um, which I'm curious to see if that sort of thing is what happens when this sort starts to break down, because I'm sure the NCAA is thinking about that. Like the thing that they've built has become stronger than they are. Like the poll of Michigan is absolutely more prominent than the poll of, you know, the institution of the NCAA. And especially if you pair it together with Michigan, Michigan leaves and then, you know, USC or Miami who have had, you know, sanctions rain down on them on the NCAA or whatever. They're also like, Hey, you know what? Yeah, Michigan, you're right. We're out of here. And that sort of thing. And then you got a whole thing on their hand. You got a whole, if, if people are just vacating from the NCAA as football, like especially football programs, they bring in a lot of the money, um, for the NCAA and just uh, most of these schools in general. Now the schools would still probably make a lot, like they would just turn it into something where the school runs uh, a lot of it or the college football playoff as a separate entity runs it as well into basically turns it into its own thing essentially. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of to the point where I'm thinking that this could be depending on the punishment that is handed down. If they, you know, require the firing of Jim Harbaugh or something like that. Um, you know, or a death penalty type sentence, then I'm curious to see if that is just the beginning of Michigan just being like, you know what? We don't need you. We can do this by ourselves. We're out of the NCAA. We don't need to do it anymore. We can schedule these by ourselves and we can play the games by ourselves. We can sell the tickets by ourselves. Like, I mean, I wouldn't be stunned. Now there's a whole lot of other legal ramifications with that as well. Like that's, Probably a lot easier said than done, obviously, but that's something that's been talked about with the playoff being a separate entity, um, separate from the NCAA, and then them basically creating their own semi-pro league, essentially, um, to go play football in. And then the rest of the the school and the other athletic um, athletics inside those schools kind of have to fend for themselves. So... We'll see, because I'm positive that that is on their mind as well. The NCAA's mind is positive that's on the Big Ten's mind. They're all thinking about that. Like, I'm sure of it. Um, and I'm curious to see if that affects their decision-making when it comes to um, making a punishment for Michigan uh, and in future schools, because there's going to be other rule-breaking, obviously, um, down the line. So I guess we'll have to see. We'll have to see what Michigan does, and if Michigan gets a bad enough, a bad enough punishment from the NCAA, we'll see how they react. And if they're just like... We're out of here. See you later, NCAA. We'll do it ourselves. Beautiful podcast listeners, James here. It is time to hear from another one of our sponsors, Alpine Climate Control. If you're a listener of mine, you know that Alpine Climate Control has been supporting the stuff that I do for a very long time, years now. And they are now officially sponsoring the Weekend Sports Wrap podcast as well. If you're looking for somebody to set up air conditioning systems, air conditioners, that sort of thing, Alpine Climate Control is the people to see. They also have air conditioning tune-ups. A good idea if your AC is not working properly, if it's not functioning properly, if you're standing in front of it, you're like, this should be a lot colder, and it's not, probably needs a tune-up. So check them out for all your air conditioning needs and AC tune-ups. They also have furnace systems and fireplace inserts. We are slowly approaching the fall months, and it is a good idea to get those things figured out and worked on now than as you enter the fall months. But they're creme de la creme, the cream of their crop, their specialty is their outdoor living spaces. They've got seating, fire pits, lighting, barbecue grills. If you're somebody that like, likes a little backyard barbecue, then they are the people to see to set you up. That's Alpine Climate Control. Stop by their showroom. They're on Coffee Avenue just before Sheridan College and a little bit after Starbucks or go online to alpineclimatecontrol.com and you can see all of their offerings there as well. That's alpineclimatecontrol.com. And again, big thank you to Alpine Climate Control for sponsoring the program. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk some NFL. We had some pretty good, like we had a pretty good schedule for the NFL 
uh, this weekend in terms of Sunday. I don't know our primetime games. I mean, Sunday night's very good. Sunday night was very good. The Sunday, the Monday Monday night game, Jets are still getting um, primetime games, which granted at the beginning of the season looked like a good idea, but now it's just like, what are we doing? Um, but for the most part, every slot was filled with like, especially Sunday was slot was filled with like a pretty good, pretty good uh, on the schedule, at least a pretty good game. Chiefs Dolphins to start the day. It was 730 a.m. the morning for that one. I did not get up for it, but I watched the last uh, quarter and a half, essentially. Um, that turned out to be a pretty decent game, I would say. Uh, and then the game that we had at the 11 o'clock hour that I think caught everybody's eye was the. Ravens Seahawks game and that one was pretty fluky I don't think anybody thought I mean I don't say anybody thought but Ravens the Ravens are very very good like their defense according to some of the advanced analytics that I've seen like DVOA I think has them ranked as one of the best defenses through what are we nine weeks in now through nine weeks of all time which is pretty crazy they've I'll say they feasted on some um lessons to other teams but they've blown out some good teams too Seahawks I don't think is a there I don't think they're a bad team maybe maybe a little uh Maybe maybe some fraudulent fra- check your fraudulent alarm or fraudulent radar for the Seahawks for sure. But um, so they were five and three, five and two coming into this game. So it's not like they were bad, bad or anything like that. And then they you know blew out the lines. Everybody remembers that game. Um, so I think the Ravens are the class of the AFC or one of the class uh, classy the classiest teams. I don't know how to say that. Best teams in the AFC for sure right now. Um, and then after that we had the Eagles Cowboys game at four twenty five. That kind of capped off the Sunday afternoon stuff. That was a very good game. Eagles won on a, can you call it a goal line stand? If it's from like the 35 yard line, does that count? We'll call it. Sure. We'll call it that. And then Bengals bills. It wasn't as good as I had hoped it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a little bit more action packed, a little more offense in that game than there was. Um, but still a pretty solid football game. Pretty, pretty good. There's a lot of motion in that game. Obviously with a lot of the DeMar Hamlin stuff, he's coming back for the first time. Um, he didn't play in that game, but I mean, just being on that field was pretty crazy. Um, and seeing him out on the field. Um, it's been a year since that, if you can believe that it's been a year since that happened. Um, but yeah, a lot of good games, but the, the, the games that really brought really, I mean, they brought the house down, if you will. Um, Falcons Vikings, which was one of the wildest. I never thought in a million years. I, okay. So we got, I say we, I'm a Vikings fan. I apologize. The Vikings got Josh Dobbs and I immediately had in my mind, I didn't think, I mean, he was not meant to play in that game, obviously, because um, Jaron Hall was the starter and he got injured and then Josh Dobbs goes in. He's on the sideline practicing his cadence with the center, um, whose name I forget now, Garrett Bradbury, uh, who is practicing, practicing his cadence because they didn't know it. He hadn't practiced with the first team offense or anything like that throughout the week. Um, and I was getting flashbacks. This is a, this is a, this is a deep cut for Vikings fans, I think. Um, but I was getting flashbacks of Josh Freeman when he went on that Monday night game. They just got Josh Freeman um, in the I can't remember if they signed him in the uh, signed him at at yeah, off of you know free agency or if they traded for him. I couldn't remember. I can't remember exactly. Um, but it was due to injury, and he immediately like he was the starter on Monday Night Football, and they had him go in uh, basically not even a week's worth of time to practice or anything like that. And then start the game against New York against the New York giants on Monday night football. And it was a disaster. They had him throw, they had him at least attempt to pass 53 times in that game. Uh, he only threw for 190 yards and a sack or um, an interception as well. It was just a disaster, a complete disaster. And it was all pinned on, you know, the front office, the coaching and stuff, obviously, because you know, you can't ask a guy coming in, with a week's preparation to start a football game against a professional football team and expect to have any idea what's going on. Like, it's just, it's not going to happen. It's never going to happen. And then from out of nowhere, it happens. Josh Dobbs comes in, doesn't start granted does not start. Um, but he doesn't know any of the plays. He was basically making it up on the go is what he said. Or, uh, Kevin O'Connell was having the head coach of the Vikings. Kevin O'Connell, um, was having to, essentially explain to him what the play was and what his receivers were doing on the outside in the huddle. Just some truly insane stories coming out of Minnesota with, um, you know, with the, the stuff on the sideline that he was having to learn and everything like that. And then he get, and then he gets the ball back with two minutes to go. He's down twenty eight to twenty four, and he drives the field uh, from the twenty five with two oh four left, and he drives the length of the field. He has some some drive saving scrambles that lead to first downs. Just an unbelievable job by Josh Jobs. I can't. I could not believe what I was watching. I didn't think that was possible. Like to be able to do what he did. He had like two and a half extra hours of practice or whatever to try to learn some of the signs and signals and stuff like that. 
But I have to imagine like a lot of the basic stuff was put in there. Like very, very basic stuff was in there for Josh Dobbs and he was executing it perfectly and won the football game. It was, it was unbelievable. And then the stuff that happened afterwards in the locker room was very cool to see. Just, he didn't know anybody's name. Like he knew the back, the back of their Jersey. He was reading the back of their Jersey. Um, and he didn't know anybody's name. So it, it was unbelievable. Um, and then I don't know if it gets outdone. Outdone is probably the wrong word, but it gets matched at the very least. CJ Stroud has an unbelievable game, um, especially as a, as a, a record breaking game as a, as a uh, rookie in the NFL, he throws for um, five touchdowns, 470 yards through the air. Um, just one of the best games that I can ever remember seeing, especially from a rookie. I don't ever remember seeing a game like that where he looks. And, I, and I've kind of said that this team, this is Texans team. I think I've said this on the podcast. Um, this team, this Texans team is like a fun team to watch right now. Like they they do some pretty fun things. Um, and CJ Stratt has the confidence to just sling the ball downfield um, whenever he feels like it, he is not scared to throw the ball in between the numbers, outside of the numbers, either side of the football field, over the middle. Like you, know, it does not matter where he's throwing the football; he is going to throw it there. Um, and he loves to throw the football downfield. I just think he's been unbelievable. One of the best games I've ever seen. Not just, I mean, not even just from a rookie. Like the throw for four hundred seventy yards, five touchdowns from a from a tie or against a Todd Bowles coached uh, team and defense as well. Which is, I mean, that's no small feat. Um, that was one of the most incredible performances I've ever seen. And not to mention, um, he, he had an incredible game. Baker Mayfield had a pretty good game as well. I mean, for the most, I would say a very solid game. It just gets overshadowed. He was 21 for 30, 265 yards and two touchdowns. Um, so, I mean, he had a very good game as well. It was just, you know, of course you get overshadowed by the guy that leads the game winning drive. Nobody's going to remember second place as they say. Um, but I think the biggest news that came out of this game, the biggest news, um, and just storyline in general that came out of this game. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. You know the music. That means we got a scorigami. That is right. We had a 39 to 37 final score. Houston Texans, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, and that is the first time that score has ever happened in the history of the NFL. So cool. I love it every year or every year, every, every week. If we ever get one every week, we don't get one every week, but I wish we got one every week. That'd be really cool. Um, yeah. 39 to 37, a score got me. And you guys know, you guys know how I am about the score got me. So I love them. They're my favorite things in the world. Um, and yeah, 39 to 37 between the Texans and the bucks. One of the best games of the year. Like not the fact that we just got the score got me. One of the best games of the entire season. CJ Stroud announces himself. That dude is a, a dude. I mean, that is a dude. He's going to be, if he continues to play like this, avoids injury and stuff like that. I mean, possible MVP candidate. I mean, down the line, maybe not this year. I mean, maybe not this year. I mean, I, I say maybe not this year, but he's also, I mean, just compared to the rest of the league as well, he's playing very well there, but you know, four and four, a couple bad losses um, and bad games here and there. But I mean, uh, you know, nothing. I mean, he's, he's an, he's unbelievable. He's an unbelievable player. Um, and the Texans, I mean, they finally, it feels like they finally got their guy. Like they, they, that team, uh, this might be a hot take, but that's a team that could take over that area of the country. If you know what I'm saying, uh, if they keep CJ Stroud and they keep building with that team, I think D'Amico Ryans is a very, very good head coach. I love what he's putting together with that team defensively and offensively. And just, uh, the vibe you get from that team through D'Amico Ryans, if that makes sense. Like that seems like a fun team to want to be around. And I think that's that's something there's something to be said about that. Like I'd much rather be watching a D'Amico Ryans coach Texans team than a Mike McCarthy coach Dallas Cowboys team. Like through and through no question in my mind. I would rather watch that Texans team right now. Um, Anyways, we'll see where it ends up. I I think CJ Stroud, if he continues on this path, I mean, that's franchise QB, no doubt right there. Um, Another thing I want to talk about really quickly. I talked about this a little bit last week. Dolphins, serious fraud alert alert now. Serious, serious fraud alert. We need like the, the, the alarms are ringing. I don't know if I put them on fraud alert last week. I think I did bills last week on fraud alert. Um, and the Dolphins on fraud watch, but the Dolphins are on fraud alert now. Big time fraud alert. Um, they need to beat somebody that's actually over 500. They have feasted on bad teams this year. Granted, their offenses looked really good, even against those bad teams, like unbelievably good. 
but they haven't beaten a very good team. Like they have not beaten a good team. They lost the bills, they lost the chiefs. I think I read somewhere that they haven't beaten a team over 500 since week eight of 2022 or something like that, which that's like, yeah, big time fraud alert. They need to beat somebody. They need to beat. And honestly, they played the chiefs pretty well, but if you want to be taken seriously in this league, you're like, those are games you have to win. Um, and especially looking at their schedule, the fact that they haven't uh, like some of the, some of the, the, the teams they have gotten, they feasted on, if you will, um, just aren't, I mean, they're impressed. They're not, not impressive wins. I don't want to say that because they are like 70 to whatever it was over the Broncos is still a very impressive win. Like that does not happen in the national football league. Um, but they have not beaten a single team that's over 500 at this point, lost to the Eagles, lost to the chiefs, lost to the bills. And you know, those two of those teams are teams you're going to be seeing in the AFC playoff picture. If it comes to that point. So and they got blown out by the Bills, by the way. 48 to 20 was the final score in that game. Played the Chiefs a little bit better. Um, but there are things like I'm a little bit wor- a little bit worried about when it comes to playoff because you have to be able to operate um like the stuff that you're doing in system is not going to be the things that are going to work in the playoffs, as you know, you have to be able to operate out of that structure uh, and be successful out of that structure. That's what makes, you know, Patrick Mahomes so good and the Chiefs so so good. The Eagles, who have been very good at that over the past year or so, um, in, over the past few years or so. Um and the Bills as well, or in Bengals as well, or all those very good teams that operate like that. Um, and I think the Dolphins are really kind of figuring out now that that's something they have to get really good at. Like they have, they have unbelievable game plans. They're very, very good at developing um, a lot of the stuff that they do before game. But when it all goes kaput, like they, I don't think they have shown a very good ability to adjust to who they're playing against and the adjustments that the opposing defense and usually good defenses uh, are putting up against them. I think it'll be curious to see how they perform against this jets defense in the next two weeks. They play the Raiders next week, uh, or I guess um, not this upcoming Sunday, but the Sunday after, cause they have the buy this Sunday. Um, but this upcoming weekend, they play the Raiders and I think that game's kind of a wash, but then after that they play the jets. And I think that's going to be a very interesting game for them um, because that's a very good defense that adjusts very, very, very well against offenses um, and forces other offenses to have to adjust on the fly. And the Dolphins have not really had to do that, um, at least noticeably so far this year, against good football teams with opposing good offenses as well. So, um, And then the Chiefs, I mean, this is it's really funny how football works because you can have the best quarterback on planet Earth, one of the best that I've ever seen in Patrick Mahomes, and he's just not playing very good so far. I mean, I would say in the past two or three games, he hasn't been very good. But he has good games scattered, across, scattered around in certain areas of the season. but not what we've come to expect from Patrick Mahomes. Um, and now he has, and and he's not playing as good. He doesn't have very good, you know, options on the outside either. He's still got Travis Kelsey, obviously, but on the outside, his receivers, one of the worst receiving cores, I would say in the national football league. I don't think that's crazy to say. I think he's got one of the worst receiving cores in the national football league. Um, but it also is funny to see, you know, him, be less effective, even though he's got, I mean, and now he's got one of the best defenses he's ever had. Like it's a top probably five to seven defense in the NFL. One of the best defenses he's ever played with. Um, and now he's struggling. Like there's always something in the NFL that's not going to work well or just not operate correctly. And even though the chiefs have become, uh, I would say a dynasty over the last three to four years, um, it always seems like they kind of work their kinks out, especially on defense as well. Um, but now you, we haven't really had that problem when it comes to offense. So I'm just curious to see how they adjust. They can't go and get anybody at the trade deadline. Obviously the trade deadline line's over it's passed. Um, so that's not an option. I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, they're relying on Kelsey probably a little bit too much. And when he gets shut down, which is a lot easier said than done, obviously, um, it feels like they don't have anybody, uh, that is a viable option for Patrick Mahomes on the outside to really throw to. Uh, it feels like he's looking for people. People aren't getting good separation. And then he has to fall back to Kelsey. And if Kelsey's um, not getting open either, then, you know, that's a bad recipe. That's a recipe for disaster, if you will. Um, and finally, I want to talk about um, the Josh McDaniel situation, man. And it's going to be quick. I'll talk about it really quickly. That the report that's coming out of, Las Vegas, like that guy is, he'll never have a head coaching job again, I would imagine. Like he'll probably go back to the snuggly bosom, if you will, of Bill Belichick, work under the Patriots once again, I would imagine, um, work his way back up to offensive coordinator of some kind, but that guy will never touch a head coaching job again, given some of the reports that are coming out of Las Vegas and how he 
just kind of, I don't know, they put him in there to be head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. He's not a head coach of the Patriots, but he's doing like a weird thing where he's playing. Uh, he He's like a double agent of some kind to the Patriots of some sort. It's really weird. Like he's not doing anything nefarious on necessarily, um, but none of the players believe in him. It doesn't seem like he's bought into any of the systems that he put, he put into place uh, in Las Vegas. None of the players bought into it, and it seemed like neither did he. Um, and then when somebody spoke up, I think it was Antonio Pierce, who is now the head coach of the Raiders, spoke up and talked about some of the things that were going on. Um, he came back and opposed whatever Antonio Pierce was talking about because he was on the team that beat the Patriots when they were undefeated. He was on that Giants team um, and he, Antonio Pierce was uh, and he was talking about how the Giants felt like they could beat anybody. They didn't they weren't going to lose to anybody in that playoff run. Uh, and then they ended up beating the Patriots and it led to that. And then Josh McDaniels was like. Don't you ever talk about the Patriots like that again? And it's like, hey, dude, you are a loser. Like, what are you doing? You just got this head coaching job. They put their trust in you. They put these players' trust in you. And the the, the team immediately performed better um, once McDaniel's was gone. They put up their best offensive performance of the season and best defensive performance of the season against the Giants. Um, and won I think what was it, thirty to six or something like that, if I remember correctly. Just one of the best performances of the season from the uh, from the uh, from the from the Raiders. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to, I just wanted to touch on that really quickly. Cause that was like when that report came out, I guess it was on Sunday, Jay Glazer had a report on it and it was just comedy when we were hearing on that. Cause Josh McDaniels is like, and now it, you look at a lot of the videos they were smoking cigars after that win against um, the team, the, the Raiders were smoking cigars after that win against the giants, which is little like, that's a little overzealous. All right. It's the giants. Like, let's chill out. Okay. It's week nine breaking out the cigars for a win against the giants is a little ridiculous, but like you could totally see a change in vibe in that locker room. Once McDaniels was immediately out of there, like that guy, he, he should not have a head coaching job ever again, <laughs> just period cut and dry plain and stable. He should play under the Patriots, or he should coach under the Patriots for the rest of his career. And he'll be fine doing that. Like that's totally okay. He's won Super Bowls doing that. Um, but he should not sniff a head coaching job ever again, giving some of the, given some of the uh, stuff that's come out of Las Vegas. So yeah, Josh McDaniels, he's uh kind of a loser, kind of a loser, not, 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 not a great head coach. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's wrap it up. I want to thank you guys very much for tuning in this week. Uh, we'll be back next week talking all sorts of different stuff. I don't know. Kind of think of it on the fly. That's what we do here. Uh, and that's how sports works, you know, just on the fly stuff. So we'll see you next week. Thank you very much for tuning in. This has been the weekend sports wrap podcast. Remember to rate this podcast, wherever you listen to your podcast, I'd greatly appreciate that on any of those popular podcasting platforms. Um, give it five stars if you would not mind. I'd greatly appreciate that. Give a big shout out to you, the listener who rated it five stars. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. All right. This has been the Weekend Sports Wrap Podcast, and I have been your host, James Timberlake. <laughs>